This is from Paul to the Thessalonians. Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in every circumstance, for this is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Be seated, please. Some years ago, I tested you to see if your parents raised you the same way I was raised. And and congregation changes a bit over the years, so we'll try it again. I'm going to start a sentence my parents uh, said to me, and you fill in the blank. Are you ready? Look both ways before you. Don't talk to. When I left food on my plate, they said, what about the starving children in... Oh, we had China last service. I'm I'm glad we're branching out. And when I wanted something, they would say to me, what's the magic? And that word was? And then if someone gave me something, they'd say, what do you say? We know this stuff. So why don't we do it? Why don't we do it? I know we don't do it because so much of the scripture is devoted to telling us to say Thank you. The Torah has thanksgiving offerings. The Psalms full of uh, commands to give thanks to the Lord. And in Paul's letters to the Romans, to the Colossians, and here in his very first letter to the Thessalonians, he says, give thanks. Jesus had a, um, a story, something happen to him according to Luke. One time he healed ten people of the dreaded disease leprosy, but only one came back to say thank you. The scripture must know, God knows how hard it is for us to be thankful. And I've wondered why, and I guess my sense is that we're not very thankful because we live with a sense that even though we have some stuff, we like more. Whatever we have is not quite enough. Uh, One of my favorite uh, pastors wrote this, and it meant so much to me that I clipped it and actually put it on the bulletin board in my study. He said, thank you, God. For a wonderful wife, for healthy children, for a warm house in which to live and car to drive and and freedom to go and do what I want to do and for a job where I get paid to tell people about you and thank you for letting me work with encouraging people. Then he listed about five more things and he said, oh God, by the way, if I could just have a really cool car. There's that sense that none of us seems to have quite enough. And it makes it difficult to give thanks, which makes it difficult to be joyful, which is the attitude that the church calls for on the third Sunday of Advent, the Sunday of joy. So here's what I want to do real quick. I want to give you two hints that help me be at least a little bit more thankful. The first one is this. I have learned to adjust expectations. In fact, to give expectations pretty much up whenever I can, and and instead just have a general sense of expectancy. Oftentimes, the expectations I have for God, or for my spouse, or for my children, or for my job, or for you in the congregation, are the things that really get me in trouble the most. Our expectations not only lead us to disappointment, but sometimes they cause us to miss what's really going on. Sword and Kierkegaard has a great story about when the circus came to town, They always come with a great parade. Uh, They're getting ready for the parade. They're outside of town when the circus tent catches on fire. Well, they've got to rescue the animals. They've got to save everything they can. So the only person available to go into town to get help is the clown. And so the clown comes running into town dressed already for the parade and does the very best he can to tell people in the town, Fire! 
fire. We need your help. The circus is on fire. And everyone just laughed. And no one went to help until they saw the black cloud of smoke on the horizon. No one expected a serious message from a clown. Sometimes our expectations lock us in and we miss the gift that might be or the message in a person because of our expectations. And then the other hint I would give you this morning, I've told you before, it's just to me the most basic thing about being thankful is this. You ought to focus on what you have and not on what you don't have. seems to me the cause of my disappointment is I, I list what I don't have as opposed to listing all the things I do have. This came uh, home to me uh, very much a few years ago, and a friend reminded me about that this week. Uh, one Sunday, my wife was working, and so when she got home from work, I was home from church. And she said, well, how was church, and how was the attendance? And I started naming off for her all the families that weren't there. And she said, that's funny, David. Most people count attendance by who is there, not by who's not there. And I think John Ortberg is basically right. You will never... Focus on what you have and be thankful for what you have until you learn this little trick. Sometimes you have to give thanks for less than perfect gifts. A friend of mine uh, emailed me a couple weeks ago a link to CNN.com, and it was an interview with my very favorite preacher. His name is Fred Craddock. He spent his life teaching uh, pastors, uh, ministering among the poor, helping people in the Appalachian um, area, and he's 83 now. And at 83 years old, he was diagnosed with Parkinson's disease. And the interviewer asked him about it, and his response went like this. He said, well, I'm 83. I ought to have something (laughs) to learn to give thanks, even for those things that weren't exactly the way that you wanted. Give thanks always in every circumstance. This is God's will for you. It's a command. Now, I think you ought to do what God commands, whether you understand it or not. But my hunch is when we do it, we start to understand what God is trying to say for us. You've probably all heard this, that life is lived forward but understood backward. And so sometimes things happen to us and we just don't get it. But we still have to get up the next morning and go on. And I'm convinced that's why thankfulness is such a great thing in our life. The late John Claypool talked about when he lost a daughter. Uh, and uh, he watched his eight-year-old get ravaged by an illness. And and after she died, uh, some months later, he wrote about it, and he said, people in the church were so kind to me, and had two explanations. One One group of people would say, you know, one day you'll understand this. You know, one day it'll all make sense. And he said, I didn't think I'd ever live long enough here on earth or in heaven where it makes sense that a child would suffer like that. He said, so that didn't really help me. Another group said, you know, that was just God's will. You just need to resign yourself that you can't change what God does. And I guess they meant to be helpful. It's a little bit like when people uh, say to others, well, I guess God needed so-and-so in heaven right now. And, And maybe it's helpful, but it doesn't always help you go forward. He said, finally, what helped me was this. I realized that the year that my child's birth was just a windfall. It was just a gift. And every day and every moment we had with her was a gift for which we should be grateful. He said, the only way forward for me is gratitude. God knew it. He told Paul. Paul knew it. Told me and you. My best advice for life, the only way forward is through gratitude.